Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. It doesn't matter what time you're listening. We're just glad you're here. We are 24-7. Oh, yeah. So uh, welcoming back Ben James, our pastor. He had a great message this week, and uh, I'm Jesse Martin, and we're just excited to get into it and talk about it. We began at the book of Daniel this week. It was our first week in that series. Just looking at uh, the story, you know, the Old Testament, uh, it's a prophetic book in the Old Testament, and it's very narrative-driven, especially the first part of the book. You know, the first six six chapters were very narrative-driven and a little bit of prophecy. And then the back end of the book from chapter seven on kind of flip-flops. It goes, it's very prophecy-driven with a little bit of narrative included into it. So we looked at Daniel chapter one, verses one, through eight this past Sunday, and we drew out some things in there. That's the story of where the southern kingdom of Israel, which was known as Judah at the time, the northern kingdom of Israel itself had already fallen. It had fallen sometime before this, but we see the Babylonians coming in and overthrowing and taking over the southern kingdom. They didn't wipe it out. You know, they didn't kill the king. They left uh, the king in place, actually. They take what many historians, theologians, archaeologists, experts that are far smarter than you and I, um, what they believe to be 50 to 75 young men from uh, Judah back to Babylon. And they believe them to be anywhere from, you know, ranging from 13 to 17 years in age. And we find that four of them stood out amongst uh, you know all of the rest of had however many that there actually were. Um, you know we we see this is where the story of Daniel begins and his three friends. And just for the purpose of this podcast, we're going to go with the names that you all have. If you've grown up in church or you've done VBS or Sunday school and have a history with it, you're going to recognize the three names as Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Uh, they are the ones that are the they're most fam- famous for the story of the fiery furnace. And that's kind of what this all compromise, you know, this is what makes up these first eight verses as we see them taken into Babylonian captivity and really how they begin to deal with these young men and how they begin to train them in this passage. Yeah, I really enjoyed this uh, passage. There's only eight verses, but there's so much that you could pull out of this passage. And and just thinking about the culture shock that these boys must have gone through because they're, you know— 14, 15, 16, 17, they're young kids, you know, they're in high school maybe would be the area of age they're in, and and this must be just a huge culture shock for them um, because not everyone was taken out, but these young boys were. So parents are nowhere near them. They don't, you know, they've left the life that they know, and now they're in a, a new, new place surrounded by people that are different than them. Right. Yeah, and that's, you know, I think that that can, that's one of those things that gets lost in the narrative, uh, lost in our learning of highlights. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with learning highlights. That's what we do from the beginning, and we learn these stories. Um, but as you and I have talked about before, we never need to just stop at the surface level of these stories. And that's, that's a dynamic that I think we overlook so much within this story is we have young teenage boys. Many, many people believe that Daniel was 14, maybe 15 years old when this book starts. And the same thing with the, uh, with the other three young men, but they've, they've just been taken, you know, they, they've been kidnapped. You know, I mean, let's let's just call it what it is. They they've been taken captive. Um, they're being held against their will, and they're forced to assimilate 
into a different culture, one where their parents aren't there, the familiar things aren't there, the customs are different, the gods are different, the ways are different, the food's different, everything is different. So just take a moment and imagine yourself at 13, 14, 15 years old, just one day waking up with what you have always known and what is familiar to you, and then in the very next moment, you're being hauled away into this brand new place, this foreign place that uh, that is just completely and totally different mm-hmm. from what you're used to. And you know, they later on in this passage of scripture, we see that they are they're to be instructed for three years in the ways of the Babylonians, in their education system, in their ways of learning. And they were the Babylonians were an incredibly intelligent people. Mm-hmm. Um, from not only from sciences and uh, you know the hanging gardens of Babylon, you know the the agriculture, the horticulture, uh, the history, but you know mathematics. But they were also astrology. You know they were big time into astrology. They were big time into sorcery and seances and rituals and all of these things that these young boys from the southern kingdom of Israel, known as Judah, would have not had a clue about. Oh, yeah. This is what they're saying. Hey, we're going to take three years. And this is what we're going to be teaching them. Yeah, and, and something I think is uh, interesting and worth saying is that uh, Jewish children, especially those who are royal and, and brought up in good families, uh, they're they're educated from a very young age in Scripture. Yes. They're educated yep. far better than you know most adults are um, in Scripture um, from a very young age. So these boys, it's not like— you know, sometimes you think of teenagers, you think of, oh, uneducated. No, these boys were educated in Judaism. They were mm-hmm. educated in, in their uh, nation, and, and so they follow by these rules, and for them to be taken to a new place where the rules are just completely the opposite of that um, must have been a real strain and, and a pressure on them, um, especially because they're just, you know, they're out of control. They, right. they, they can't control what's happening to them. Um, and so they, they're being forced to, as you said, assimilate into, uh, Babylonians. So, mm-hmm. and you know, that the, the education wasn't the only thing that was expected to change with them once they got into, to the, um, you know, Babylonian empire. They, you know, we, I said a little bit earlier, the names of Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, um, those aren't the names, you know, at least three out of the four. Yeah. Anyhow, they took all four of these young men. Which would have been all of them, not just these four, but all 50 to 75 of the young men, they would have changed their name. And a name back in that culture was a huge portion of who you were. It was your identity. It was what your life message was. You know, your name spoke of what you stood for and what you represented. Uh, you know, Daniel, that was his Hebrew name. But when he got into Babylonia, um, they changed it to Belteshazzar. You know, it goes from Daniel, which means God is judge to a name that means that Baal provides. And Baal is one of the pagan gods that the Babylonians served. Uh, The next young man we see, his Hebrew name would be Hananiah. And that meant that the Lord is gracious. They changed that, the Babylonians changed that, to Shadrach. And Shadrach is a derivative of a meaning of the god Aku, uh, which is also a derivative of the god Marduk. Uh, so there's, you know, there's this changing away, this stripping away of identity. The next one uh, is Michelle, um, which means one of them that I love. Uh, that name in Hebrew meant "Who is what the Lord is." So I mean, just imagine your name 
being who is what the Lord, you know, that your your life's making that declaration. And they changed that to Meshach. And that's a kind of a meshing of a Misha Aku, uh, which means who is what Aku is. And again, Aku is their moon god. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, then lastly, we get to Azariah, which was the Hebrew name of the young man, which meant the Lord is my helper. And they changed that to Abednego, or servant of Nego, or servant of Nebo, and Nebo was the son of Baal. So they're stripping away their identity here, and they're taking God completely out of these young men's identities, and they're replacing it with pagan gods. Yeah. So that was, you know, that was just another area. You know, so they're not only having what they've learned their whole lives stripped and taken away, but now they're having the very essence of who they are. Is is being stripped away also, and that's that's a significant, significant thing. Oh yeah, and I really like that. That's something that you know, growing up and hearing the story, th- these stories, you don't really get that sense of that. It, you know, we kind of, as you said, learn in screenshots and highlights, and uh, you know, to be able to break this down and realize that there's so much more going on than what you might originally realize. You know, it, it says in the passage that they changed their names, but it doesn't doesn't go into what their names mean. Right. So all you're like is, oh, okay, they got a new name now. Mm-hmm. Um, and to us, that's not a big deal, yeah. you know. But to them, this was huge. This was, uh, you know, you're trying to change who I am. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed being able to hear that. And I heard a lot of people uh, give us feedback on that, and they just really enjoyed how you kind of just dug into that. Yeah, and I, I think, like you said, it, it's easy for us to read. And I don't, I don't even think glossing over is an accurate term because I, we can look at that and not even gloss over it. You know, we can actually kind of dive into it and not understand, you know, what these names meant. Uh, but it was it was a big thing. Uh, and then you know, there's a third area which we run into in the latter part of these verses that we covered um, that they were expected to change what they ate. It says that the king gave a decree that they were to eat of the king's food and drink the king's wine. And it's at this point that we see these four young men push back a little bit, which I found kind of fascinating. Uh, As I looked at the story, I thought, okay, the first moment of tension that we see, and now, again, this is a kidnapping story, okay? This is an overthrow. So I know that this is not the first moment of tension, but the first moment of tension that that the author tells us about is this moment where they go, okay, you're going to change what you eat. And at that point... Daniel and these four young men begin to give a little bit of pushback, which I found interesting. Now, what we're going to be going into this Sunday is we're going to be detailing that in more detail, but I kind of wanted to stop there because that shows us a level of conviction that not only Daniel, but Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego have also that, hey, you can change what we learn. Okay. All right. Change what we learn. You can change our name. That's a big deal, but okay, we're not going to provide a whole lot of pushback there. You can change what we know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not going to change what we eat. Yeah. And I thought, okay, why there? You know, why, yeah, why is that the line? Why is that the hill that you've yeah. decided to take the stand on? And I don't know that Scripture ever really spells that out for us, but I think it could be a couple things, and we'll detail those a little bit more on Sunday. But the one that I threw out there was, you know, there's some dietary restrictions in the Old Testament, but 
when we look at what the law of Moses, you know, the word of God that they had at this point, there was nothing that spelled out anything. Hey, if you change what you learn, it's a sin. Yeah. Or hey, if they if somebody changes your name, it's a sin. Yeah. To my knowledge, those things aren't spelled out there. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the food, that becomes a big deal. Then we're talking about Levitical law. Well, I mean, and you can even the first two things you can even uh, be taught these things. And since you know what truth is, you know what the Bible says, you can learn these things, but also be aware that this is an actually truth. Right. You know, so I can be really versed in all these passages that they're being taught and, you know, all all the different things that they're being um, taught in Babylon, um, but still maybe not take it as truth. And I can and I can even excel in that position. And the same thing with the names, uh, you know. You okay, can, you're going to call me that. Okay, you can call me that, but it's not what God says I am. Yeah. It's not. It's not what I was actually named, and and you don't have the power to really uh, say who I am. Mm-hmm. But you're right. This third one, I mean, it would make them be. It would. It would make them go against what they were taught, what they were seeing in Scripture. And I, I like that they took this stance. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, it's clearly sp- spelled out in the Levitical law that you shall not eat of an animal. That was offered in sacrifice to a false god. Yeah. You just you did not do it. If the animal was sacrificed to a false god, you did not eat it. Point blank, period. No black, no gray area there. That's black and white. Yeah. So, you know, we have these young men that we see teenagers, again, Jesse, teenagers that are taking this stand of like, listen, when it goes contrary to the word of God, we're not doing it. Yeah. That's a stand of conviction. Oh, yeah. That's a stand of faith. I would say if I was in this situation, it would be an awful tempting to go, okay, I'm in this terrible situation. At least Obviously, not, God's against me. Obviously, God's against me. They're giving me food, and they're giving me some, it looks like probably pretty good food. Oh, yeah. Um, you know what? Fine, I'm going to eat it. Yeah. You know, I mean, where's God at? Mm-hmm. You know, but that's not that's not what these four boys did. It's not what these four young men, uh, you know, they didn't just let this happen to yeah. them. Yeah, and the ESV, uh, you know, the English Standard Version puts it this way, that it was rich food, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, there there was there had to be an element of enticement there. I oh, mean, yeah. this, may be, this may have been better food than they'd even seen yeah. in their life, much less been able to consume in their life. And what I think is really cool, and you mentioned this on Sunday, the conviction that they had, which was so strong, it wasn't overpowered by hatred or... Or you know, being disrespectful in any way, mm-hmm. they had these convictions, and they they treated people well. You yes. know, they they found favor in the eyes of that servant, mm-hmm. and and they asked him, "Could you please just do this yeah. for us?" And it, it wasn't a, "I'm not doing it." It was yeah. a, "Let me let me come to you in a loving way. Let me come yeah. to you in a way that that uh, that makes you." Uh, you turned your heart towards me, maybe a little yeah, bit. It, it, it's a little gracious. Yeah, it's in kindness, yeah. and I think that that's. Uh, and, and we'll we'll dive into this far more on Sunday, but yeah, I think that that's what we struggle with as Christians because I mean, it's it sounds rough, but the reality of it, a true statement, is we live in Babylon. Yeah, as believers of Jesus Christ, living in this world, we live in a form of Babylon, which wants to take us and educate us in the world's ways yeah. that are usually and almost always 
against what truth we believe and have been taught yes. in the Word of God. They want to change our identities. Mm-hmm. You know, they they want to take away who God has created us to be and have us believe that we are something else. Mm-hmm. And they want us consuming things mm-hmm. that are not fit for uh, the vessel of God's Holy Spirit yeah. to be consuming. So there's so many parallels that we can see. And I think we learn lessons here, too. I think that, hey, what you learn, not everything we learn in the world is bad. Yeah. My daughter right now is at a university receiving an education. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing. So, okay. you know, Now, not all of it's good, either. Yeah. Uh, and, okay, so you want to... You want to change my name, like you said. That doesn't change my heart. Yeah, you can change my name. You can change what you call me. Uh, you know, that's that's fine. You're not going to change who I am. Mm-hmm. But then, whenever it becomes the consuming of the things that alter what's going on inside of us and alter our witness, we need to make a stand. Yeah. Whenever God's truth and God's word is compromised, that's when we need to take our stand. But we need to do it in love. And I, I read this quote, and and I want to. Share it here on the on the this episode as well because I just believe it's uh, it's so good. Um, but the conviction of an uncompromising life is based upon an absolute obedience to God and His Word. When the Bible says something, do not compromise that, and hold your conviction with love. I think that's where we struggle. I think that we struggle with holding our convictions with. Love. I think we're missing the kindness in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, I believe that Christians we really, really struggle with this. We we fall short often when it comes to this. Um, we do want to say real quick that uh, we have lots of people in our church building today. So if you hear some background <laughs> yes. noise, uh, we have some ladies working on some sweet treats for Valentine's Day. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, so if you hear anything in the background, uh, everything's okay. We just have some people in our building. Or, and, and you know what? We like that. That church is being used for church stuff today. But getting back to what you were just talking about, I, I really love you know that quote, and, mm. and, and we can't give up on our convictions and we have to do it in a loving, kind way. You know, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have stood up and said, I'm not eating that. Eating that. Do you think they would have gotten the same result as when they uh, asked kindly? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure not. You know, not not at all. And just to clarify, if you go back and you listen to the message, I did, uh, you know, kind of shared a story about my past and people messing with my identity, and, and I just caught you doing the same thing, so I'm going to highlight it a yeah. little bit. Um, you know, My name is Ben, and for so long, I thought that my identity was I was a drive through menu item. Yeah, I can see the curiosity on your face, and I'm sure that our listeners are curious as well. I, I think you need to elaborate a little bit on Okay, this. all right. Since you asked, since you asked nicely, I, I will. The young man's Babylonian name is Abednego, mm-hmm. A-B-E-D-N-E-G-O. Mm-hmm. For so many years, I personally and everyone around me said Abednego. Abednego. And, so and I thought I was a menu item. Yeah. You know, it was like, get, get through it. I need, a, I need a Bendigo. Yeah. I need a Bendigo. That's terrible. And you know, that joke <laughs> went over about as well Sunday morning as it just did with every person yeah. that well, just turned this podcast on. <laughs> what, what's really funny is I remember you telling that story on Sunday, but I think I blocked some of it out. So I had to hear you retell it before I remembered what it was, what the punchline was. It was a protection. It's a survival mechanism. I blocked it out. Blocked it out. So. Uh, yeah. But yeah. And, and another interesting little side note that you had mentioned 
this past week in regards to the name is that all of us learn, we memorize this story and learn the names of Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. We call three out of the four of them by their Babylonian names, but we call one of them Daniel by his Hebrew name. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I think it's just because uh, they're easier to remember because, you know, with Daniel, Belteshazzar doesn't really roll off the tongue as yeah. as well, yeah. you know. And uh, but with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Abednego, there you go, uh, Abednego, um, <laughs> those are easier to remember than uh, is it Hananiah, Mishael, and what was the third Azariah. one? Azariah. Um, th- see, they're yeah. easier to remember. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I want to throw another little possibility mm-hmm. out at you in regards to why that might be, and we we didn't talk about that last week, and I didn't even look at it till yesterday, if I'm being completely honest. I think it's a contextual thing also, because as the book goes along, as the book of Daniel goes along, that's basically what they're continued to be referred to as, mm-hmm. is contextually all throughout the story and throughout the remainder of the writing, it's Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Could that be because Daniel's the author? I don't know. Daniel may be referring to himself in the way that he wants to be. And we have to remember that these young men live the entirety of their lives yeah. from that point on in Babylonian captivity. In this, regardless of how many different kings came and went, mm-hmm. they were still there. They didn't they didn't get to return to Israel. Exactly. So they may it may have become more natural for Daniel to refer to the other three by their Babylonian names yeah. rather than their Hebrew names because that's what they spent the majority of their life as. I don't know. Maybe. That's an interesting maybe. thought. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Well, uh, you had a lot of great things to say on Sunday, but I, I want to offer you a chance to maybe if there's anything that you had a you had a cut, chop for time maybe, um, and uh, maybe just anything that you weren't able to fit in on Sunday. Yeah, there is. There's so many themes and so much information, just even in these first eight verses, that I think that the entirety of the book of Daniel really encompasses the concept of the sovereignty of God. And we're not, we're not going to get into a theological discussion here because every church or every denomination that I've either been a part of or exposed to or have relationship in all believe that God is sovereign, that God is all-powerful. He's yes. in control of everything. Where it begins, the lines begin to blur a little bit, is their definition of how much of that control and that sovereignty of God that he exercises in our daily lives. Some believe that he is in control of everything and that he, you know, he exercises control in all aspects. And that's the sovereignty of God to them. Others believe that God in his sovereignty will pull back some and allow things to just yeah. happen naturally as they would in a fallen sin-filled world. Mm-hmm. So that's there's all kinds of different camps on that and some in between. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's people in this church who would fall somewhere. You know, not everyone's going to fall in the Absolutely. same exact place. Yeah, I think that that's probably the case with every church yeah. that you're going to have somewhere on that spectrum. Yeah. People falling into that, but you can't get away from. Uh, the hand of God yeah. and the sovereignty of God, especially in Daniel, because we see that out of verses one and two, talking about the history, you know, we can we can see God's sovereignty even when evil, evil sin-filled men and women and the world and Babylon comes in. We can see that God's still in control 
and his sovereignty is still on display there. Then when we move on and we start seeing the um, you know the acts of Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, then we can begin to see God's sovereignty in like verses three through seven in how He protects His people, His faithful children, even in the midst of this fallen, mm-hmm. sin-filled world. So we really didn't have time to get into that because that would have to adequately explain that. And the differences of the terminology of the sovereignty of God and the definition of the sovereignty of God—that's that's a that's multiple message series yeah, in and of itself. That's that's a, that's deep theological stuff. Uh, but you know, read this with the understanding that this book is all in. Well, the Bible period is is under this umbrella of the sovereignty of God, and that's one of those things that I just I, I really didn't have time. Um, to to get into in that in the context of the narrative of the story yeah. that was advancing. Yeah, I also kind of hesitated because verse eight isn't the most natural place to stop. Yeah, that's what I, I was kind of confused on why you chose that to break it up that way. Yeah, because you know verses nine through twenty one basically tell you the rest of the story. If we're going to Paul Harvey it here. As to what happened after they took that stand, you yeah. know, their conviction led them to taking that stand on not eating the food. But I really wanted us to see that conviction yeah. part of it that, hey, let's not just fly by mm-hmm. the stand that they made. Let's not just let's not just hesitate for a moment on the fact that he refused to eat the the king's food and then move on to that result. Well, I think there's beauty in that moment of conviction. The beauty in the moment where they decide, no, we don't want to do this. We're going to do it the way God tells us to. Mm -hmm. And because what's scary about that is I don't know what's happening tomorrow. Yeah. I don't have power over that. Yeah. But trusting that God has power over that. And to be able to just pause and breathe and go, it doesn't matter what happens. They've made this decision, um, which, I mean, when we get into chapter 3 a little bit later, they kind of make a statement like that, too. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter what you do. Uh, God's sovereign. He's in yeah. control. Yeah. So. And that's I, I think that you articulated that very well because there is a weight to this moment. There is a big-time gravity right here that I think pausing and stopping there allows to settle in. Because we get so focused on the end result of I want to make my stand on this because I know it's going to lead to this. And they had no certainty of that, no certainty of what was going to happen after that. So we needed to pause. And again, this would be one of those great things if we were all watching this movie unplay Mm -hmm. in front of us and we didn't know the ending of it. Yeah. And this would just be a great moment to just pause. Yeah. Because if you just paused and didn't move on, the people are going to be going, whoa, whoa, okay, what? What happened? Yeah, you gave us a cliffhanger. Wait a minute. Why, why are we we're waiting a week to watch this next episode? Why, are yeah. we, why is this not on a streaming service where <laughs> I can just automatically have the next episode play? Yeah. But yeah, I think that's what we see here, and that's why I wanted to stop. Right there. Well, I really, I really like that. I like the way that you broke that up. When we originally were going through, I, I, I was in my mind going, "Why would you stop it right there?" Because <laughs> that's my, that's the part of me that's like, I want to know what happens, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, uh, but I really do like that, and I hope that uh, this Sunday you're going to finish this. We are. This, we are this part of the story. Yeah. So. so this this Sunday coming up, we are going to be reading verse eight again, but then okay. we're going to be going on through the end of the chapter, which is through verse twenty one. So, uh, if you're if you come 
to FCC on a regular basis or you'd like to be with us this Sunday, go ahead and read Daniel, uh, the entirety of chapter one. Just yeah. go ahead and reread the whole thing. It'll take you maybe five, six yeah. minutes, something like that. But also, if you don't listen, you know, if you if you don't attend here, but you do like to listen to our podcast and our sermon, we invite you to go ahead and read along with us. Yeah, you know, read yeah. ahead with us because that sermon is either going to be posted Sunday evening or first thing Monday morning. So, yeah. you know, it, it. I I love the Book of Daniel. I love looking at Scripture. From an expository standpoint, yeah. you know that we're looking at the entirety of something instead of just taking it theme by theme or topic yeah. by topic or section by section. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. So, uh, is there anything else that you wanna you wanna talk about? Is there anything else that uh, that maybe you didn't have time to fit in? Or no, I think that's pretty well got it covered. I, I'll I'll refrain from any other really bad dad jokes right now at the moment. I'm so sure you have I'm, some. I'm showing some conviction of staying strong and not giving in to the temptation. There you go. So we uh, pray that uh, each of you are able to maybe stand a little bit stronger in your convictions, um, realizing maybe there are places in our lives that we compromise. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, and, and that's the cool thing about God. He gives us grace. Mm-hmm. And uh, so much grace. We, we can realize, oh, maybe I'm not standing as firm as I should be. Yeah. And uh, you know what? We still have time. We still have the ability to change that. So look at your lives today and, and just think about it. Do Is there anywhere that I need to uh, stop compromising um, so I can solely focus on Christ, solely uh, give my heart to God, you know, and, and stop uh, denying what he's asked us? Yeah. So um, if you don't have a place that you uh, you worship every week, we'd love for you to come join us on Sundays. Uh, we have service at 1030. We have Sunday school at 930. We'd love to have you for either, uh, but we hopefully will have you for both. But uh, if you don't have a home church, we'd love to have you come join us this Sunday. Amen. So, yeah. Until so, next time. Bye. See you.